Welcome to Concord Matters, a show seeking for concord, agreement in Christian confession. Concord mattered to Jesus and Paul, and so it does to us also. Spend these next 60 minutes as we talk matters of Concord. Concord Matters, a program produced by the Christ-centered leader in confessional broadcasting. Worldwide KFUO, online at kfuo.org. And welcome to Concord Matters, the show where we seek to be of one mind, that is the mind of Christ. And to do that, a couple of Christ-confessing Concordians read through the Book of Concord and discuss our Lutheran confession of faith. On today's show, we are continuing to make our way through the small called articles, which are the articles confessing the faith written by Martin Luther himself. And we'll be looking at Article 7, well, Part 3, Article 7 of the Keys, and then maybe starting, well, we'll be starting. It's, it, it'll happen. Starting Article 8 on Confession. And our confessor with us today is Pastor Michael Sherman. He's the pastor of Good Shepherd in Sherman, Illinois. And I'm your host, Pastor Sean Smith, pastor of the Dual Parish of Emmanuel West Point in St. Paul's Wine Hill in Southern Illinois. Pastor Sherman, welcome to the show. Great to have you on with us. Uh, it's nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Great, great confessor that you are. We are so pleased to have you on today. And we're going to dig into, as I as I set up here, Article 7 of the Keys, and then that, that'll tie in nicely Article 8 of Confession. I also just want to remind our listeners that have been listening, I know faithfully, every week, uh, this is all flowing forth from the article on the Gospel, uh, where we, we have laid out for us there in Article 4 um, that... Uh, these are the means of grace, the way in which God's grace, his gospel comes to us. Baptism, the sacrament of the altar, uh, keys and confession here. And so uh, just kind of making that connection. But Pastor Sherman, before we actually uh, read Article 7 here, is there any kind of setup that you'd like to set us up for today, where we're going to go, what we're going to see, things like that? That's a, a great question. I don't, I don't think anything necessarily beyond... What you just uh, reminded us all, that this all has to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the, the different ways that, or sometimes we use the word means, that uh, Christ has given us uh, through which and by which that gospel is delivered to, to us, into our ears, into our hearts. So that's what we're going to be talking about, one of those ways today. Absolutely. All right. Well, then let's just go ahead and get to it. And I'm going to read in its entirety Article 7 because it's short enough that we can do that. And then uh, we'll kind of pull it apart from there. And I know that uh, uh, you've been very gracious to share some notes with me that uh, I I love how you're you're highlighting and getting us into the gospel and understanding uh, how that comes to us here. So I'm, I'm excited to get into this. So I'm going to go ahead and read again, uh, reading the small called articles. We're reading from Concordia, the Lutheran Confessions, the, the reader's edition of the Book of Concord uh, provided to us from CPH, and uh, uh, this is Small Called Articles, Part 3, Article 7, The Keys. The keys are an office and power given by Christ to the church for binding and loosing sin, citing Matthew 16, verse 19. This applies not only to gross and well-known sins, but also the subtle hidden sins that are known only to God. As it is written, who can discern his errors, citing Psalm 19.12. And St. Paul himself complains that with my flesh I serve the law of sin, Romans 7.25. It is not in our power to judge which, how great and how many the sins are. This belongs to God alone. 
As it is written, Enter not into judgment with your servant, for no one living is righteous before you. Psalm 143, verse 2. Paul says, I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. 1 Corinthians 4, 4. All right, thus far our article... All right, so go ahead and uh, and get us into this. Uh, uh, we we see there binding and loosing. That's maybe not terminology that we use uh, today. So maybe explain what that is for us, and then uh, uh, maybe maybe expand upon that a little bit for us, Pastor Sherman. Sure, absolutely. So binding and loosing. Um, you know, think of this as uh, maybe a great image to use would be you know think of like. Uh, who is Harry Houdini, right? The uh, magician, escape artist, right? And uh, think of him wrapping himself up in some uh, some chains and, uh, and and locking those chains, right? Well, that's uh, that's our sin, uh, and um, that that's who we are uh, as as sinners uh, when our, our consciences are burdened, when our um, when we've sinned, when, when, we're, when we're burdened with, with the, the knowledge uh, of our sin, or even if we're not aware of it, but just the fact that we are uh, conceived in sin, we have uh, that inborn corruption uh, uh, throughout, running throughout us that causes everything that we do and say, and even the potential that we have to sin, to be sin in the eyes of God. That's us. And uh, so we're, we're, we're bound up by sin. And... Uh, Christ's gospel, uh, and, and in particular, this office of the keys, the keys that Christ gives to his church, this office or power, um, Christ gives them to the church so that that lock can be you know, unlocked, uh, opened, loosed, that we can be uh, burst from those, those chains that bind us of our sin and instead be free of it. Uh, conversely, um, I suppose... Maybe my analogy or my image breaks down a little bit here, but if if we are living in our sins uh, uh, manifestly, like w- willingly, um, wanting to remain in them, not not worried about them, not concerned about them, even when we hear that we're sinners and that these these things that we do in our lives are are not pleasing to God and are in fact opposed to what He would want us to be doing or want for our lives. Um, then, then that, that saint, this, these keys that Christ has given to His Church uh, can all, are also rightly used to, to uh, if you will, uh, keep that lock locked. Um, again, it breaks down there, but but that's the point. So, so you're 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 either being released from your sins, or you're, they're being retained on you, bound to you. You are being bound up in them, so that you would uh, continue to live. Um, we either would live free in the gospel, forgiven of your sins, or or continue to be uh, in your sins and, and thus remain under the, the the condemnation and wrath of God. Yeah, I, I don't know if it actually does break down, although maybe I just take um, metaphors or images too far. I don't know. But I, I definitely get this image that you're, you've set up for us, and I think it's really quite helpful. Um, you know, you, I love, you know, bringing in Harry Houdini, a magician there, right? You know, and, and uh, you know, got the chain around him. Maybe I even see him underwater, right? You know, behind the glass sure, there right, and, right. and so forth. And, and right, he, what what does he need? Because we all, we all know that magic is all about really sleight of hand and things like that. Sorry if I just cr- 
crushed anyone's illusions about magic there. But uh, yeah, we we all know it's you know you, you actually need that key to get out, right? Um, yeah. And so maybe the image carries out in this sense that it would be foolish for a magician to think that they can actually do some sort of magic where they can get in with an actual chain and an actual lock and that they'll somehow magically get out of it without a key, right? Uh, without right. some way of that being loosed. And so it, it would be foolish. It would be stupid and would lead ultimately to your death. And so maybe, again, maybe I'm taking the image too far, but I think it doesn't break down in the sense that, you know, that is the foolishness of one who who ignores especially as we'll tie in confession here, um, but but ignores the place of confession and, and the binding and loosing of our sins. You know, it says, I, I, I'm not in my sins. I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm just magically free. I'll get into heaven because I'm a pretty decent person. Uh, that, that you're you're going to be doomed to your death there, right? Yeah, right, exactly. Um, although, you know, the, the thing is, right, that, so that gets at the binding and loosing. But, but really the point of this, which the confessions, the small code articles bring out so well, and the rest of the confessions, whenever it talks about the keys, whether it's the, the small catechism or, or um, the uh, Augsburg Confession, uh, always are getting at the point of this is not to, we can get caught up with the, the, the binding, the, the sins. And that is something that God certainly gives us to do. But the point of this is, is that this is a way in which we are we are relieved, right? That uh, that we are uh, brought into, released from the the, the the this this burden that we have in, in sin. Um, that's the point. And uh, maybe maybe it would help if we get into uh, the, the the couple of scripture passages here where uh, this this is promised by by Christ. Um, if you don't mind. Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I love yeah. how you centered us back there on the gospel. I definitely did not want to get bogged down uh, yeah, sure. in the binding part either. And, and I think you highlighted that, that tendency that we might have very well there. So, yeah, by all means, get us into Scripture and, and center us back here on the gospel, this means of grace that comes to us. Yeah, so there's kind of three passages that uh, are, I suppose, the, the chief uh, texts uh, of teaching us about this office that, that Christ establishes uh, in his church, this office to, um, to bind, to lose sins or bind sins. Um, one of them, and in fact where we get the, the phrase, the keys from, is in Matthew 16, and that's one that's referenced in, in the small card articles. Um, and uh, let me just set the context for that, and I'll just read the, the brief passage. So the, the context is this is when um, Peter is confessing Jesus as the Christ. So Jesus has asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? And they say, oh, some say Elijah, some say John the Baptist, some say the prophet, you know, that prophet who was promised by uh, by Moses to come. And, uh, um, and uh, Jesus then says, who do you say that I am? Um, that is, you know, all y'all say that I am. And Simon Peter answers, for them, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, right? This wonderful confession of who Jesus is, and wrapped up in there, of course, the fact that he's the Christ, the Son of the living God, wrapped up in this answer is, is the, all, are, are all the promises that, that uh, God has given about his Christ. The, the, the point of the Christ is he's going to come to set the prisoners free, to uh, pay for our sins, to uh, bear the sins of the people on himself, and all of that. So, Christ, uh, Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Um, and then uh, verse 19, Matthew 16, 19, um, 
I will give you uh, the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So that is where we get the, that's the ESV, um, but that's where we get this binding and loosing language. That's where we get the term, the keys. It's the, the gospel that is the, the announcement of the forgiveness of sins um, for the sake of Jesus Christ and the, the, his work for us by his blood. Um, that is uh, the, the uh, that message is, is what is doing the binding and the loosing. Or, or maybe another way to put it is that that message and it being believed uh, there, there. In that is the binding or the loosing. In this case, the loosing being the the great the great work that Christ has done for us. Um, the two other places. Uh, one is in Matthew 18, where um, uh, Peter is asked about uh, how many times. I believe I'm telling you this correctly. Um, where Peter has asked, "How many times should I forgive?" And uh, that's earlier, I think. Uh, I think I'm telling you wrong. But anyways, Jesus says uh, that um, uh, he's talking about when your brother sins against you, and um, he he says to go and, and tell him his fault, right? So go, if your brother if your brother has sinned against you or if your brother is sinning, go and tell him, you know, uh, in a sense, preach to him privately. Um, if he doesn't uh, repent or, he, you know, there's no... Uh, desire to be forgiven, then uh, tell it to the church, and uh, etc. right? It kind of goes until finally you have to announce to this brother that uh, he is not forgiven. But then, then Jesus says, again, I say to you, or truly I say to you, excuse me, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Um, so again, same binding and loosing. Jesus reiterates this. And then John 20 which is the text that uh, we often hear at uh, ordination of, uh, or installation of pastors. This is the passage spoken, at least in our uh, Lutheran ordination rite, spoken over uh, the pastor. The pastor is, is blessed with this word of God when he is ordained. Um, this uh, is Christ's instruction that he gave, Christ Jesus gave to uh, the disciples on Easter evening when he appeared to them in the locked room and he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So it's, uh, I mean, I, I suppose this helps us really establish from God's Word this binding and loosing sins, forgiving sins or not forgiving sins, is is from the authority of Jesus Christ. He He institutes it. He establishes this. And so we have great confidence in, in these these words when sins are forgiven or not forgiven, uh, because Jesus himself has said, this I will have you do. I, I love what you highlighted there for us, too, in bringing in that uh, the John 20 passage comes to us in the ordination and installation of a pastor. And, and we often talk about this in terms of, you know, a, a pastor is a man under orders. And what are those orders to do what Jesus tells them to do? And, right. and, and that's where he gives us what to do. And, and then it comes out, as I say, every Sunday, and as you say, every Sunday, I, by virtue of my office, in other words, doing the work that Jesus has given us to do in this office of pastor, right? I therefore forgive you all of your sins in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? Right. Um, right. 
Yeah, and, and also, you know, of course, pointing to Christ when we say, you know, that that it's by the virtue of our office and the power of Christ that we're doing this, right? Um, and I also want to highlight, too, I, I want to take us back to Matthew 18. Um, I, I love you bringing that in as well. Um, but I, I personally love you know, just kind of the progression of Matthew 18 there, right? Uh, they're arguing about who's the greatest, right? Uh, and then that flows right into, and I'm, I'm just kind of using the highlight uh, or, or the paragraph, not paragraph, you know, the subsection headings that come to us in the ESV. They're not original to the text, obviously, but, uh, you know, but then uh, we get the temptations to sin, right? And then we get the parable of the lost sheep, right? And then all of a sudden it brings us back into this brother sinning against you, right? And and you just see that progression that, uh, and then it goes on to the parable of the unforgiving servant, right? Um, but what is all of that centered on again, right? Is, is that, you know, this, this command of the binding and loosing is once again centered in on the gospel, right? It's, it's about brothers dwelling together in unity, not arguing, uh, who's the greatest, right? Not sinning against each other and against God in that sense, uh, dealing with the temptations to sin, um, uh, you know, the parable of the lost sheep, you know, being brought back by our loving Savior, um, and, and so all of this again uh, not not to not to also you know negate the binding right you know for for those who are unrepentant that that is a very serious thing and we don't we don't ignore that but ultimately it is always centered on the gospel jesus wants you to be set free from your sins right uh the the loosing key is is the trump card here that uh that we really want uh uh and and, and come to the church for uh and so it's never a joy and and i especially highlight this because we won't be getting into it today but coming out very shortly in the uh, uh small called articles is article nine on excommunication right um but uh you know setting all that up for us is here on the keys and uh and confession so but but yeah excellent excellent highlighting of those uh those scripture passages there uh did you have any more that you wanted to highlight on there or or can we uh uh talk about uh the gross and well-known sins versus subtle and hidden sins no i think we should definitely talk about that um uh i mean we've kind of we Let's move on. Okay. So then just go ahead and, you know, wh- what are we talking about here? Uh, wh- what are the gross and well-known sins versus the subtle or hidden sins? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a great, that's a great question, and it's, it's actually a very good distinction for us to, to be aware of and to be sure we're, we're getting, getting right. Because we often so the the gross and, and well known sins i mean we're aware of those things and we we in the church uh, uh often um make a you know, that that seems to be where we pay a lot of attention so the, these would be um like uh you know blatant sins uh, things that are that are in the eyes of the world in our modern day um uh, these are often uh you know sort of sexual sins uh, at least uh you know, we don't. Our, our modern day world doesn't have much shame about these things. So, you know, like uh, uh, cohabitation and, and fornication, um, uh, all sorts of different sexual sins. Right? These are these are good examples. They're not alone, though. I mean, you know, going and robbing a bank <laughs> is also a, a gross and, and well known sin. Right? Uh, uh, everyone's aware that it has happened, and unless you do it, manage to do it completely in secret. Uh, people are going to be aware that that you did it. Um, you know, p- drunkenness is often one of these sins. Um, so, 
that's the idea of a gross and well-known sin. Okay, but but the, then the subtle can I, and can hidden... I interject for okay, just yes, a quick? And, yeah, and, and I'm not quite yeah. sure what it is for you up there around Sherman, but uh, for me here in Southern Illinois, I live in Randolph County, and we have the County Journal, which may have the highest. Like some people in our in our culture today tend to say, "Oh, I saw on Facebook or whatever," but people in my area still talk about, "I saw in the County Journal." I mean, who still okay. reads a newspaper? But they definitely do down here. And so okay. I often say it's really difficult for a pastor to be getting the County Journal because uh, page two always lists, you know, all the uh, crimes and, uh, you know, drunkenness, uh, you know, tickets sure. that are handed out and things like that. And and so, yeah, sometimes I see parishioners in there. Right. And so that that would be the very definition of a gross and well-known sin. Right. It's published in the paper. Everybody can see it. Uh, and so, yeah, you know, people are knowing about it and they're talking about it. Exactly. And so, right, the, the forgive it, the loosing or the binding of those sins, of course, the keys apply to that. But, but Luther also uh, very pastorally instructs us that uh, this, those aren't the only sins God is concerned with, right? Those aren't the only sins that Jesus uh, wants us to be uh, attending to with the keys, but also that the subtle or hidden sins, okay? So these are the, the sins that we we can keep hidden from the world. Um, now, there are certainly um, uh, sins that we can, you know, physically do, right? Sins of, of action that we can do that are can be kept hidden, okay? Um, but then uh, there are all sorts of th- the sins in our heart, okay? So remember uh, in Matthew 5, Jesus says, you know, you were told, uh, do not murder, uh, you should be liable to judgment. But I tell say to you that whoever is angry with his brother uh, commits murder, uh, and uh, he says the same thing about lust. Right? Whoever lusts after a woman in his heart has committed adultery with her, and those are the hidden sins, right? So we, you can you can you can hate your brother or think your brother is a fool, um, and that will you, you know no one else may know that. Um, at least your you know your other neighbors, your your pastor may not even know that. Okay. Um, same with lust in your heart or all these other things. You know, coveting is another one of these things that we can easily do, and we all easily do it. And uh, yet you can't, you can't see them. Uh, you can't uh, know them. I, I have no idea if my neighbor is coveting or not. Um, although, I mean, knowing sin, I know he does, but I don't know when he specifically has. But God knows, see? And so the keys are... Uh, not just an office that is exercised, but also a, a word of God, which which reminds us of these things. That um, that these these subtle hidden sins, um, if I do not repent of them, that is, if I if I do not recognize and and, ha- and be, have contrition over them, um, that though even those subtle hidden sins are bound to me. And um, you know, as we as we uh, if we get to <laughs> some way into confession, um, we can talk a little bit about how that 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 might be done in a general sense. But but the the binding and the loosing of sins is not just something that has to do with a sin that everybody knows about, or even that the pastor specifically knows about. But it's part of the preaching of the Word of God to uh, to to make sure that we all know. Uh, that we all hear and are aware of and and, and know uh, by faith that that my sins are loosed because of Christ but any sins that I want to hold on to even if no one else knows about them God knows about them and therefore they are held on to and and 
Do you think that, you know, Luther is really trying to, especially in his context at the time of the Reformation, and we we would have seen it at the time of Jesus as well, you know, kind of go against the common thinking that even can still be a part of our culture today, that the the sins that I maybe think, you know, that, that we wouldn't even call those sins, right? That we would excuse those. I mean, you would certainly see that with the Pharisees and so forth. That's that's the whole reason we kind of get Matthew 5, all right, is that uh, Jesus says, you know, you have heard it said that, you know, you, you shall not murder your brother, but I say to you, and, and he's showing, you know, the true intent of this commandment is, is that even the thoughts condemn you, right? Even those are exactly. those sins are bound to you. And certainly Roman Catholicism at the time with the sale of indulgences and everything else, um, and, and not omitting what we talked about back in Article 1 of Part 3 either, where this certainly would include our sinful nature binds us to hell, right? It's just the fact that we are born in a sinful nature. So even if somehow miraculously we can excuse, you know, any any thoughts or or think or not excuse but exclude any kind of thoughts or or actions of sin um that we're still bound there but but here he's showing the encompassing thing reflecting christ himself um here uh, because of his context and, and again i kind of think that we see this still today some in, in the fact that you know well you know I'm, I'm a pretty good person and that's for me maybe first corinthians 4 4 right there at the end of this article you know i i love saint paul you know this was really key for me especially back in college right you know as i i think you know well i'm a pretty good guy overall really i'm not i'm not doing anything really terrible but i'm not thereby acquitted right i don't know what are your thoughts on that with just a few uh 30 seconds or so before we go to break Sure. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And in Paul's case, right, he's he's being honest. He's like, I, I, my conscience is clean, but I'm not thereby acquitted. Right? That I, I, we constantly need to remember that I, I may think, not even like self righteously, but I may think that I, I'm, I'm doing okay. You know, I'm living a righteous life, and and you might be to a certain extent, but uh, sin still dwells within. Right, sin still you still have that that old man who who needs to again be, hear from Christ. Yes, but uh, you are not the judge. Uh, my word uh, labels you sinner and in need of my my forgiveness, my righteousness, not your own. Uh, and I think that's what Luther is getting at here in, in this whole Article Seven here on the keys. All right. Very well said. Uh, We're talking with Pastor Michael Sherman. Please come right on back for more great discussion on the Small Called Articles, The Keys and Confession. This is the voice of a mother in the faraway country of Georgia, reading to her six-month-old son about Jesus from a Bible storybook written in the Georgian language. The child's Bible was given to her by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, and the Holy Spirit is working powerfully through your support of LHF to make events like these happen every day. Help another family learn of the Savior. Learn how at lhfmissions.org. Here is what our listeners are saying about KFUO Radio. I want to say that I'm very happy that you're on the air. Your theology is excellent. I've been a member of the LCMS for about 18, 19 years, and I still have to get hit up on the side of the head with the gospel. (laughs) It's a never-ending battle, but thank you for being there. 
Lord's blessing to you. To leave a message on the KFUO comment line, call 314-996-1542. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Worldwide KFUO. On this Tuesday, August 6, 2019, KFUO rejoices with our day sponsors, Brent and Jan Duesenberg of St. Louis, Missouri. Brent and Jan have made a contribution to help share the gospel of Jesus Christ worldwide in celebration of our Lutheran schools, especially CCLS and Lutheran High School South. Thank you, Brent and Jan Duesenberg of St. Louis, Missouri, for helping us share the gospel and for being today's KFUO Day Sponsors. In the history of African-American religious experience in America, the Bible has played a key role. At the turn of the 20th century, the American Bible Society helped make Bibles accessible to home missionaries in the South, facilitating the delivery of Bibles door-to-door, on street corners, in rail stations, even saloons in the urban South. Efforts significantly enhanced by black churches encouraging their distribution, providing for many African-Americans an opportunity for literacy. In 1999, the American Bible Society released the African-American Jubilee edition of the Bible in ceremonies across the country in the contemporary English version, as well as the King James version, including essays celebrating the black church experience, describing the distinctive worship, preaching, and music that define black churches. Engage with the Bible in all its impact and influence. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible. back to Concord Matters. I'm your host, Pastor Sean Smith, and I have our fellow confessor here with us today, Pastor Michael Sherman, who's the pastor of Good Shepherd in Sherman, Illinois. And uh, right before the break, we were uh, wrapping up our conversation um, about the gross and well-known sins versus the subtle sins as it comes to us uh, in the, um, uh, well, I should say where we're where we're working from as we come back from break. We're, we're in part three of the Small Called Articles, uh, Article 7 of the Keys. Uh, but I want to move on here, and, and, and I think even kind of wraps up nicely for us, too, and I, I believe Pastor Sherman believes this as well, um, that uh, th- this power to judge, uh, you know, which, how great, uh, you know, what, what sort of things tie in there. Uh, t- take us through this, this power to judge, especially we see there in, in paragraph two of Article 7 of the Keys. It is not in our power to judge which, how great, and how many the sins are this belongs to god alone what's going on there uh with that yeah yeah, that's an interesting passage i'm actually going to read from the triglotta um translation because i think the the word order there helps us understand the sentence a bit better um for it is not in our power but belongs to god alone to judge which how great and how many the sins are um so it's it's kind of it's, it's clarifying what we're talking about with uh, the gross and well-known sins and the subtle and hidden sins, or, or just the sins in general, that that it's not it's not for us to say, well, this is a greater sin or or a lesser sin. Um, uh, this is a sin that definitely cannot be forgiven. And this one, well, you know, it's okay. That that might be how we might think about it nowadays, anyways. Not necessarily in Luther's time, but uh, that that this this um, the judgment of of sin. Is, is God's office, okay? Um, it's not ours. Our office, that is that the, the office that, that Christ has entrusted to the church, is to say, you know, these are sins 
uh, according to God's uh, word, according to the scriptures, according to what God has told us, these are sins, and uh, they are, you know, forgiven by Christ, or, you know, you remain in them, and period, full stop. Um, that's, that's what we're given to do. And uh, as pastors, certainly, but also as, as Christians in our, in our daily lives, in our families, you know, fathers and mothers to their children, um, you know, we, we, we ought to be clear that, that we don't define what sins are and what sins aren't. God does. Um, the Church gets into great trouble when we try to do otherwise. It did it at Luther's time. It does in our time. It always has. When we, when we try to start being the judge of sins, uh, we, we are stepping outside of our office, our power that Christ has entrusted to us, and are, are now kind of on his turf. Yeah, I, I like what you highlight there for us, and, and I'm going to take us back to the catechism, as I think we see the progression of what you're describing here really quite beautifully, and, and it's been a great savior for myself falling into the trap of, I, you know, I just, I, I've confessed on this show before, I like to be, we, we had this term earlier in the confession here, uh, you know, the, the thunderer, right? I like to be, you know, I, I want to thunder with the law, right? I want to point out everybody's sins to them, but that's not really my job, and I like what you highlighted there for, that, that's God's office. He, he's the judge and and you know in the in the section on confession in the small catechism we have uh this question what sins should we confess before god we should plead guilty of all sins even those we're not aware of so that can cover the subtle and hidden sins right as we do in the lord's prayer but before the pastor we should confess those only those sins which we know and feel in our hearts those of which we are aware of right uh and then the next question are which of these and and i love what he does i love what luther does here in the small catechism he says consider your place in life according to the Ten Commandments. And then he lists several examples. Are you a father, mother, son, daughter, husband, wife, or worker? Have you been disobedient, unfaithful, or lazy? See, this is a difference between letting God's Word speak and reveal sin versus me just pointing at you and saying, you're a sinner and this is how you're a sinner. Now, I may even be right according to the Ten Commandments and pointing that out, but I think it's a lot more powerful and a lot better if we just let God's work, let his office, as you said, to be the judge, do the work itself with his own word, right? Uh, just just examine according to the Ten Commandments. And there's lots of great resources out there available on this. Uh, maybe I'll share some um, uh, on, on a leak link here somewhere in social media or something with this uh, if you want to check out. But uh, uh, there, there's uh, the Bechtenspiel and so forth, right? You know, the ways that we can uh, ask questions according to the Ten Commandments to examine our sins and, and how we can properly confess. It's it's called a confession mirror, right? And uh, and and those are a great resource that really save us from from just kind of you know taking an office upon ourselves that really belongs to God and His Word alone. Or, or am I going too far there? What do you, what do you think, Pastor Sherman? No, I think I think you're right. Um, I mean, of course, with like anything, we always have to be. Um, you know, there's always a certain balance that we can we can take something too far, right? Um, but. Uh, Maybe maybe an example. One thing I've learned, you know, uh, being a pastor over the years, uh, is when you know when trying to talk to someone about sin. Okay, um, so if I'm if I'm going to visit with somebody about, you know, maybe a sin that I'm aware of in their lives, um, you know, that it I've found it to be much more helpful, fruitful. Uh, if I, if I don't go in there as, you know, the 
the announcer of God's judgment, uh, like you described, right? Come in there and say, look, look at what you're doing. This is terrible. How dare you, right? Um, but instead to just come in and just say, hey, can we, let's, can we talk for a second? Let's look at this passage of God's Word and see what it says. And, uh, and talk about that. Now, I mean, you know, sometimes people listen to God's Word and sometimes they don't. But, but, but that, I, I think that's what God is calling uh, certainly pastors, but really every Christian, to do with one another is to, is to be uh, proclaiming to one another uh, in our lives, uh, according to our vocations, uh, what God's Word says and letting that Word work. Um, that's that's the point of this office of the keys. It's not to exercise judgment, but it's actually to just exercise the the gospel, um, the word of God, which uh, and the law of God uh, also to to let that word uh, work on the the hearts uh, and minds of of the hearers of that word, whoever we're we're speaking that word to. Um, and letting God do His work, um, which is either you know, accusing, uh, according to the law, uh, working um, contrition in someone's heart uh, through His Word, or then if you know when that that contrition is there and they want they need to hear the gospel and they they greatly desire to hear the gospel because who wouldn't want to hear the gospel if you if you come to the realization or if you're brought to the realization that oh no I'm I'm damned before God you know. Uh, who wouldn't want to hear then that but God has taken that away uh so that's 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 um i think that's that's how we ought to understand this I think that's what you were saying too, but uh that's just how I kind of think about it is that the word the word is is the thing that's going to work, and the the best thing we can do is just help that word be uh brought into the ears of the people um through our speaking through our reading it together whatever and uh, so that and then just letting that word work. Absolutely. And, and sometimes it's, it's helpful for me as, as I, I think about this and process it in my own life, let alone in my pastoral ministry, is God's judgment upon sin has already been announced, right? And, right. and so when God, you know, it's, it's not like we need to re-announce that or anything. You know, we, we let God's word speak. And, and as you said, you know, sometimes people don't listen to that. Pharaoh didn't listen to that uh, when Moses right. came and spoke it, right? Uh, and, and how is that described? Well, they hardened, he hardened his heart against it, right? He hardened right. his heart. Uh, against God's word and didn't receive it. And so that's the binding part of it is, is you're just simply confirming that you're, you're hardened against God's word and not receiving it, uh, that you may be forgiven, which would then lead us to confession, which I, I think is, is completely contrary to, to people's minds as well, right? Is that, uh, I think our, our, and, and maybe it's because of the abuses of the Roman Catholic Church, but they, they see confession and they think about it as being something law oriented or bad or, or negative and things like that, right? Uh, when what we're going to see here in just a second, when if I can move us forward, um, sure. that, uh, you know, in confession, it's really all about the gospel. It's very much the gospel um, and, and is, is, is exactly for the conscience that has heard that word and, and says, you know, like in Acts, you know, after the Pentecost sermon, oh, what shall we do? Well, here's the gospel for you, right? And, and, and so we come to confession that we might be consoled and comforted. So I'm just going to go ahead and read the first couple paragraphs here of Article 8. Again, we're in the small called articles, part three, Article 8. This is on confession. 
And then I'll, I'll let you uh, go ahead and take us away there uh, in the discussion. So this is uh, paragraph one. Absolution, or the power of the keys, is an aid against sin and a consolation for a bad conscience. It is ordained by Christ in the gospel, citing Matthew sixteen nineteen. Therefore, confession and absolution should by no means be abolished in the church. This is especially for the sake of timid consciences and untrained young people, so they may be examined and instructed in Christian doctrine. But the list, listing of sins should be free to everyone as to what a person wishes to list or not to list. For as long as we are in the flesh, we will not lie when we say, I am a poor man full of sin. I see in my members another law and such. Romans 7.23 since private absolution originates in the office of the keys, it should not be despised, but greatly and highly esteemed, along with all other offices of the Christian church. Well, first of all, when you read this, especially from the pen of Martin Luther, I mean, most of us pastors and, and well-catechized uh, laity generally know uh, we definitely don't uh, get rid of it. But uh, this might come as a surprise to some Lutherans that uh, we speak so highly of especially private absolution um, and, and, uh, and its place in the church. But uh, go ahead and take us away then here, uh, Pastor Sherman, um, with these first two paragraphs. Uh, how is this absolution an aid against sin? How does this center? us on the gospel. Uh, just go ahead and take us in whatever direction you want there. Sure, yeah. I mean, so it's an aid against sin, aid against sin and a consolation for a bad conscience because it's, it's the announcement of the gospel, that is, that Christ, the Lamb of God, has taken away the sins of the world, that he is, that his blood um, uh, covers us, uh, that uh, his righteousness is ours, that our sins are, are no longer considered by God uh, as our own, but instead were considered uh, by God to be Christ's. And, and so Christ bore that the wrath of God over our sins. And so therefore we, we do not have, we do not live in, in the, the condemnation of, of, of our sins, but instead we live in the, um, the, the, the forgiveness uh, and uh, it's not even in the forgiveness. That's not, really what I want to say, but we don't live in the condemnation, but instead we live as if we, we had not sinned, at least in, in God's eyes, in God's sight. Um, that's wonderful, I mean, as a general thing, but it's, it's an aid against sin and a consolation for a bad conscience, because that, the absolution is saying, all this, uh, that, that's for you, okay? Um, it's 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 not enough for us just to say it's for all. We like I do, you do, Pastor Smith, every every one of our listeners. We also need to hear that all of that, those promises of God, all, Christ's death for the whole world, is is not that I'm included in that. Me personally, and that's what the the absolution is intended to do. That's why Luther says it should by no means be abolished in the church, because it's the preaching of the gospel. And to, to, to cast it out is to say, we don't need uh, this one way that Christ has given us to preach the gospel to one another. Uh, that's bad, um, because it, it's, it's, it's robbing us of, of a treasure and a gift. 
All right, I'm, I'm going to, this is a little awkward here, but as we are a radio station in the St. Louis area, as well as a podcast, unfortunately, uh, we had a severe weather alert here in the St. Louis area. And so if you're listening to the podcast, there's going to be a section that was cut out there that was unfortunate because Pastor Sherman was just <laughs> centers on the gospel so well. And if you're listening on the radio, you just missed it because there was a weather alert over it. But uh, uh, I, I think we probably caught enough there at the end that uh, you, you were rightly centering us exactly where Luther wants to go with this, right? Uh, that, yeah. that this is for the consolation of that conscience that is burdened by the sin, but whether whether they be the gross, obvious sins or, or you know, that, that maybe we want to cut off from society because people are talking about it and, and we kind of feel shunned and, and outcast uh, because everybody knows about it, or even the the subtle ones where, you know, maybe maybe, you know, they're even kind of worse for us because, you know, they're on my mind and no one else does know about them and, and and, and, you know, just all sorts of things like that, right? And, and so my conscience is burdened by this. I know the truth of God's word. I, I receive it. Uh, and, and, and I want some consolation for this. And so where do I find that? I find it there in confession, the gospel delivered to me by that authority of Christ. And I think you were centering us on that very well. And, and that's where Luther wants to go with this. Yeah, absolutely. He does. He gives to the, so in the second paragraph there, he kind of gives two um, uh, ways, one of them pretty obvious and one of them maybe not so obvious, ways in which these we, we, uh, uh, abuses, I guess, uh, that, that, that actually kind of harm this wonderful gift. One of them is that the listing of sins, right? So he says, but the listing of sins should be free to everyone as to what a person wishes to list or not to list. Um, it's a great burden that is put, uh, was put on people and still is when we, when we expect it or when we think we ought to be doing it, that we, in order to, you know, use absolution, um, that we ought to be making sure we, we cover all our sins. Okay, so it, 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 there was a requirement or there was an expectation that um, you ought to be uh, listing all your sins. You ought to be comprehensive when you come to confession. That was the that was one of the abuses uh, in the in the medieval church, and um, that that Luther is is addressing here. Um, uh, that's that's a burden. It's a terrible thing, um, and and uh, it ought not to be not ought, ought not be done. Um, certainly, confession and absolution is given to us that we might bring to to it before God, before our pastor who's there uh, speaking for Christ, uh, we, the opportunity, it's given us the opportunity to bring those sins which we are aware of to, to confess them. But it's, we, we don't need to think that we have to come up with all of them or even that we have to come up with some and therefore start kind of uh, making things up, right, uh, for the sake of, of listing things. That's one of the burdens. The other one is, and it's related, is where he says, since private absolution, so he's, he's making a very, he's making a distinction here. Sorry, this is at the end of the paragraph. Since private absolution originates in the office of the keys, it should not be despised, but greatly and highly esteemed. So he says, interestingly, in the, in the, the small code articles are originally written in German, but there he actually uses a Latin phrase, uh, the Latin words for private um, absolution, 
as opposed to what they usually were, what it usually was called at the time, which is private confession. See, Luther is 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 emphasizing the absolution here. He wants to make it very clear that the point of it is not the confession, right? Uh, or not the main point of it. Um, it's not the confession. It's not the doing the work of of bringing your sins to God, but it's actually uh, God's intent for this is so that we would come and hear from God through the pastor, right? From the pastor as from God himself, that the sins, uh, my sins are forgiven, okay? Right, that the forgiveness of sins apply is applied directly to me individually, like I said before. So th- those are two of the great burdens uh, that, that, can, that are put on us, or we can put on ourselves. We can put those on ourselves. Um, and uh, Luther especially wants to make sure that we're, we're not going to go there, that we're going to remember that uh, this, is, this is not about a work we're doing, but instead is about uh, a, a work of Christ applied to us. I, I like what you say there, that the emphasis is not on the confession, especially the work of it, uh, and, and that that would be an abuse, right? And, and one yeah. of the things that we're guarding against. But the emphasis is actually on absolution, which, which again is reflected very well in the small catechism for us. That's, that's the second part of confession. And this article on confession, I like how you move us directly toward, it's, it's actually about getting us to the absolution, the, the delivery of the gospel, right? right. And, and that's just quite a beautiful thing. Um, and, and, and I think, you know, like we were talking about with the power of the keys, sometimes we get too bogged down on focusing on the binding side that we, we don't, talk enough about the loosening side, uh, I think the same thing happens. And you were talking about the specific practice at the time of the Reformation of the listing of sins. But I, I think that at times, even in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, we have had this error where especially the the uh, obvious sins, you know, the sins that everybody knows about and so forth, that at different points in our history as the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, you, you were required to come and confess before the congregation, otherwise you would be excommunicated, right? Now, I think that sure. that can be a really beautiful practice that can bring a lot of healing, especially because, as I said, everybody reads the newspaper and they see it and they're talking about it anyway, and, and people kind of shut themselves in and not cut them off from the community and so forth and kind of exclude themselves because they feel that shame. Uh, and, and one of the ways that we can deal that with that and re- alleviate that is, is, yeah, confess before the congregation, be absolved in front of the congregation, and then everybody basically has said, all right, this is this is released, this is loosed, so don't talk about it anymore. And so sometimes I think it's a, a disservice that we don't use it anymore, uh, but one of the reasons that we don't is because we made it mandatory, and, and that would be an abuse, right? And so right. I think it's good that it's not mandatory anymore. Don't, don't mishear me on this. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, it, that would be an abuse. All right, so uh, just because of time here, I need to move us a little forward a little bit on this, but but as the absolution is kind of the main thing, it's the delivery of the gospel. Talk a little bit about that. You, you talked about, you highlighted for us how here in paragraph two, he talks about private absolution. Well, go ahead and, and lay out for us if you can. What, what, what about corporate absolution? That what we do in the divine service. Uh, how does that play in here? Does Luther even have that on his, on his mind as he's writing this? Is, is right. private absolution the only way? Uh, that we actually receive absolution. Go ahead and go in whatever direction you want with that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, so I mean, you know, this could take a whole. You could do a whole hour on this, but there's, you know, there's. But we have five the, minutes. The, yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> um, we've got, you know, our, our practice nowadays in the in Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and, and other other uh, liturgical churches too, is is to 
have uh, a practice of a, of a general uh, absolution or a general confession absolution. So if you know off the top of your head, if you know, you know, uh, Divine Service Setting 3 in Lutheran Service Book or Old Page 15 in TLH, um, you would have uh, the congregation right stands in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We confess our our sins uh, generally. I, a poor miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities, etc. And then the pastor says, I uh, 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 announce to you the forgiveness of sins in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right, in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ. So that... Um, that practice is is not a it's not really a new one. Um, there was uh, at Luther's time, and even bef- before Luther, I mean, there was a general kind of practice of confessing sins in, in the service, and certainly the early Lutherans uh, retained this this practice. They made it more gospel centric, uh, right? They they emphasized the absolution more, but uh, it, it wasn't necessarily in the same place we have it. Um, but uh, but they, they they held on to this practice, uh, knowing that it was very important uh, that the the forgiveness of sins, that the knowledge that the forgiveness of sins, which was you know kind of would have been preached about in a in a in a good gospel sermon, right? That 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 was understood to apply to me um, in the it's all over the place. CPH has a bunch of different publications that have this, so. If you ever get a hold of Walter's hymnal, which they practice in the back, there's the liturgy that uh, the early LCMSers were using here, and that has after the uh, the sermon, um, then they there's a general confession and absolution. Even back um, in the uh, Church Order of Braunschweig uh, Wolfenbüttel, uh, there is uh, in the order right after the sermon. Then uh, uh, how does he how do they put it? Um, the Son of God, uh, he also promised and gave these keys, and Christ wills even now and in all places to use and manifest this same power of his to forgive sins on earth by means of the ministry, um, right through the preaching, but then so that, I, I couldn't quite find it, I'm sorry, but uh, it's something along the lines of uh, so that the people would, would, would know, uh, would, would, would take this gospel which has been announced to them in the sermon and apply it to themselves we do this practice of a general confession and absolution. So that the point of that general confession and absolution is is the same point that we use the private confession and absolution to to take that gospel and 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 make sure by faith we're we're applying it to ourselves that we are uh, saying yes this is for me. Um, but we ought not cast out one in favor of the other, um, that, that, that they both are good for us, that we ought to be hearing the absolution generally spoken to us, but we also ought to be using it uh, privately or individually. Um, we, we need to do both, because Christ, Christ has actually given it to us so that we would hear it individually. Um, for the sake of the gospel, we do it uh, corporately as well, like in, like we do on Sunday morning. 
Great stuff. Thanks for centering us so much on the gospel today. And so much more we'd love to get to uh, with this great confessor, Pastor Michael Sherman, who we've been talking with today. Thank you so much for being on with us, Pastor Sherman. Again, this is uh, the, the main thing is the gospel for you. That's that's really what we're about here at KFU Radio as well as Christ for you anytime, anywhere. And uh, so it's been a great discussion on that today. Uh, if you have any questions or comments that you'd like to leave for us to address the next time we convene for Concord. You can send us a message by calling us at 314-996-1542. You can email us at kfuo at kfuo.org or find us on social media, all the various forms at KFUO Radio. Thanks for Pastor Michael Sherman joining us here today to be our fellow confessor. And thanks you, listener, for stopping by today. And until next time, keep confessing, church.